Hello and welcome to Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located in Fremont, California. It is our prayer that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you. Let us prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. Today we are going to conclude the series on uh, roadblocks. Uh, If you have your Bibles, if you would turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 13, and beginning at verse 3. The Gospel of John, chapter 13, beginning at verse 3. It reads, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel he had around him. When he came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, why are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now why I am doing it. Someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, if I don't wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you are clean, but that isn't true of everyone here. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord. And you are right, because it is true. And since I, the Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. How true it is that a servant is not greater than his master, nor are messengers more important than the one who sends them. You know these things. Now do them. Father, give to us in these few moments that we spend with your word the privilege of hearing your spirit speak to each of us as we open our hearts to you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
We have, now, we have now come to the final roadblock, the one that brings conclusion to this series. I consider this roadblock to be the mother of roadblocks because it is the most challenging of all the roadblocks. It is a challenge we face when dealing with self, ego, me. I believe dealing with self is the most difficult part of being a follower of Jesus. It is a struggle that is fought inwardly where other people can never see. They cannot see our wins or our losses. They do not know the struggle we have with self. The only glimpse that is given of what is taking place is in our interaction with others and how we reveal in those moments the state of being of ourself. In 1989, the late Mother Teresa was visiting Phoenix, Arizona to open a home for the destitute. And during her visit, the largest radio station in the city, KTAR, was interviewing her. And in between, there was a private moment. And while sitting there with Mother Teresa, the announcer asked her, if there was anything he could do for her. Asking her that question, he knew that he wanted to kind of brace himself for what he was expecting her to say. He was sure she was going to ask him for a contribution. He thought if she didn't ask for a contribution, she at least is going to ask for media coverage. But when she answered him, she simply said, yes, there is something you can do for me. Find somebody that nobody loves and love them. I can't help but wondering if this is not the real bottom line that Jesus was trying to make with his disciples. They had gathered around him. They were there to listen to his last words. But they were so preoccupied with themselves, preoccupied with their image, preoccupied with their personality, preoccupied with their persona, their aura, their greatness, me, self. What makes it possible to to love that person that nobody else does, to care for people who who need compassion and nurture and, and compassion and attention? Is it possible that we may be just like those first followers of Jesus, more concerned with our own image, how we are perceived, Demanding respect to validate our worth. Jesus seems to suggest that we be less concerned with people's perception of us 
and more concerned with what we do. In Matthew chapter 23 and verse 11 from the message version, it says, do you want to stand out? Then step down. Be a servant. So then what is it really Jesus is trying to teach by model in today's text? It was his last week. He wanted to spend this time with his friends. It had to be disheartening to to Jesus to realize that after three years of intense training on the job, three years of modeling and teaching and showing, that his followers were not getting the message. Their behavior at the supper was demonstrating that they had not gotten the message. They gather for the Passover. The meal is served in the upper room. An argument breaks out over who among them is the greatest. Maybe the argument started when they started to try to find Who would sit where? Sometimes where you sit is an indication of your view of yourself and everybody else at the table. Maybe it was a byproduct of living under Roman oppression and being made to feel like you are nothing. Somewhat like so many who are functioning today. I think women in our society today has to struggle with the the words of Jesus in this text because women have been made to feel like they're not equal in our society. Or like men of color who must struggle with society today because our society makes men of color feel like they are not equal to the task in our society today. Whatever the reason, Jesus seizes the moment and uses it to teach them a very powerful lesson about self. If you're going to be great, if you're going to be spiritual, if you're going to be a major player in the kingdom of God, then you must settle the question, who are you? Who are you? Because until the identity thing is settled, you won't be able to serve people. You will only use people. You will use people to confirm your value and worth because you have not settled who you are. Jesus knew who he was. His identity could cause him to serve With humility. Listen again to the words of the third verse. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And so, now it's not by accident that those words are placed together 
And so, what do you mean so? Because he knew he had come from God. He knew he was returning to God. In other words, he knew who he was. And so, he got up from the meal, took off the outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. In other words, he knew where he came from. He knew who he was. He knew where he was going. In other words, there was nothing that he needed to do to prove to anyone anything. He was secure in who he was. He was at peace with himself. And he moved with quiet majesty because he knew his identity. So who are you? Do you know who you are? I'm not saying what do you do for a living. I'm not saying do you know what race you are or what gender you are or what nationality you are or what your given name is. I'm saying do you know who you are? Some of us are like Snow White's stepmother. Day after day, she would check with the mirror to find out if she was still the fairest of them all. Her low self-esteem prompted her to go to that mirror every day, looking for affirmation from the mirror to affirm who she was. Until that fateful day when her tactless mirror told her she was only second best in the world. There was Snow White who had arrived on the scene and she was prettier than she was. We, we too can get mesmerized by our mirror. Whatever mirror we're using to tell us who we are. When we don't know who we are, someone else will tell us who we are. Amen. Amen. We hear a thousand judging voices from early childhood with our insecurities as a child telling us who we are. We hear through those awkward and sensitive teenage years, someone else telling us who we are. And then we're compounded by the ugly realities and the anxieties of adulthood of someone else telling us who we are. And they don't tell us who we are. They tell us their perception. Of who we are. Are you with me? Say amen. Amen. And that old dirty mirror just keeps on bossing us around. Inflicting damage on our personhood. Because we, like the stepmother, keep going back to it asking who's the fairest of them all. Your identity is not accurately reflected in those old mirrors. In fact, your identity is not accurately conveyed to you by society. Society didn't make you. Good Lord, that was good. (laughs) Society didn't make you. So society didn't make you. It cannot define you. 
The only person who can define you is the one who made you. God made you. And since God made you, he is the only one who can tell you who you are. Instead of rehearsing the lies of those old talking mirrors, we need to see ourselves the way the one who made us sees us. Amen. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 says this. He says, what this means is that those who become Christians become new persons. They are not the same anymore. For the old life is gone. And a new life has begun. The message version in translating that text says this. Now we look inside and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created brand new. The old life is gone and a new life bulges. Look at it, he says. Look at it. See, you are related You are related in a new and exciting way to the king of the universe. Think of it. God is more than your creator. He is your father. He is your friend. He walks with you. If you listen, he talks to you. And he tells you that you are his. You have been made in his image. You reflect the one who created you. And when God can't stand the distance between you and he any longer, he invites you to find your way to his home that you and he will no longer be separated by time and space. And that the limitations that they confer will no longer be upon your life. And that together you will explore the qualities of his personhood for infinity. Now, if you didn't get that, let me try it again. When God can't take it anymore, that you are living on earth with all of its limitations. He calls you on home where in eternity. You and he will be together to explore the great personhood of who God is. And it's going to take all eternity for you to begin to understand what a marvelous and great and wonderful God that he is. Amen. To follow Jesus' example, to reflect that quiet majesty, we must settle accurately this identity issue. You are a child of God. If you are a child of God, then you must be willing to be served. Would you allow me to sit down?
This uh, has nothing to do with my sermon. (laughs) This is not one of my little gift tricks or illustrations. This is because I'm running out of steam and I need to sit down. Amen. Thank you. What is so incredible about this text is that not one of the disciples made any preparation for the washing of feet. The interesting thing is they all knew the custom. They knew that no Jewish home would allow a visitor to come into that house and not show them the courtesy of washing their dusty feet. But they also knew that this was the job of a slave. This was the job of a servant. And no one prepared the basin. No one poured the water. No one picked up the towel. If you are arguing over who is the greatest among you, you aren't going to demonstrate that you're not by going and getting a basin and a towel and acting like a servant. So they indicated by their behavior that they were still struggling with who was the greatest among them. So nobody's feet was washed. Not even Jesus' feet was washed. And then in the fourth verse of the text, it says this. So he got up. Get this. They all have found a seat. They're all sitting around the table. They're all waiting for the great moment when Jesus is going to break the bread. Nobody has bothered to wash feet. Nobody has bothered to act like a servant. And so the scripture says, seeing this, Jesus gets up from the meal. Get this. He was already seated. He was already at the table. He was already there. And he notices this is a time for me to teach a lesson. So he gets up from the meal, takes off his outer clothing. Wraps a towel around his waist. After that, he pours water into a basin and begins to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. As he moves from disciple to disciple, he gets to Peter, who wasn't willing to let Jesus wash his feet. He says in verse 6, Came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing, you do not understand now. But afterward, you will understand. Peter said, no, no, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, if I don't wash it, you have to share, no share with me. Simon Peter said, Lord, not my feet but my hands and my head. That very statement shows you Peter did not get it. He didn't know what was going on. And so the Lord tries to help him. He said, Peter, 
If I don't wash your feet, you'll have no share with me. Peter says, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. The interesting thing is that Peter would have been comfortable washing Jesus' feet. But he was not comfortable with Jesus washing his feet. See, if Peter could have washed Jesus' feet, that would have been normal according to human ideas. To see Jesus, the great I am, stoop before Peter and begin to reach for his dirty feet, that's not normal. That's not the way hierarchy is supposed to work. So Jesus is trying to teach Peter and us that such a posture and spirit is the norm for God. Remember what Jesus told his disciples Before coming to Jerusalem, he says, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve, give his life for a ransom for many. In that one line, Jesus turns the norm upside down. The truth is that the king, above all kings, chooses to serve his creation. And we will never be able to outserve him. Peter had bought into the hierarchy and the norm of the culture. Only servants did what Jesus was doing. And Jesus is saying, but I am a servant. And I am a servant by choice. I know who I am. And because I know who I am, I can serve without it jeopardizing who I am. Amen. It doesn't change the reality of who I am. I choose to serve. Now, how does that, how does that thought of God, the creator of the universe, serving you? How does that thought grab you? This is the ruler of the universe, the sustainer of life, the one who made life, choosing to serve you. How's that grab you? See, if you, if you are like me, right, right, right there you get a mixed reaction. On one hand, I'm, 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 I'm so touched by, by the thought of the king of the universe serving me. On the other hand, I'm, I'm like Peter. I'm, I'm disturbed by the king of the universe serving me. It would seem that if, if, if we hold to the view of God as the one who serves us, it could create in us an inappropriate pride. We could say, see how special I am? The creator of the universe serves me. It could cause us to be even more self-centered than we already are. That's one possible reaction. But actually it generates the opposite reaction. 
God on his knees before me humbles me. It strangely makes me more God-centered than self-centered. God serving me changes my focus from me to the God who is serving me. Can you follow that? You see, if my only view of God is that of that supreme king on the top rung of the ladder, that's what makes me more self-centered. Because I'm always wondering, how am I going to get to him? He is so high. How will I ever reach him? Am I making progress toward him? What can I do to make my way to him? And we do that in the name of religion. We become preoccupied with ourselves. But when God is kneeling before us in self-emptying love, we cannot help but be preoccupied with him. It's not me. It's him. Such love knocks us off our throne. It, It knocks us out of the center. He becomes the center, not me the center. Jesus was trying to help Peter understand that we can only meet the living God at the bottom of the ladder. For he is nowhere else. He's not way out there. He's right down here. I don't have to go find him. He's coming to find me. I don't have to look for him. He's looking for me. He wants to serve me, not me trying to serve to get to him. He's already come. And when that happens, it changes the center of my life. You see, pride and self-righteousness and ignorance resist being served by God. Pride and ego says, I I won't accept God paying the penalty for my sins. I, I will be good on my own terms. He will respect me because I am a good person. God says, no, 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 no. I'm coming to get you. you. You're not good. You're not a good person. Nothing in there is good. I've come to get you. I'm, I'm looking for you. I want to I wanna find you so I can save you, so I can help you. I want to serve you. Pride says, no, no, I don't, I don't, I don't need daily forgiveness. I, I haven't done anything that bad. But when you realize how much he loves you, you say, oh, yes, I have. Every other thought is bad. I do things for myself. I am not committed to him. See, we miss out so much when we are not humble enough to accept God serving us. So Jesus, Jesus revealed, he's revealing the king's own idea of what it means to be the king of the universe. To us, a king is one who has a scepter that he stamps whenever he pleases. Jesus says, no, the real king is a foot washer. He wants to get down and 
He wants to serve you. He wants to give you his grace. And he wants to give you his mercy. He wants to provide for you. He wants to look out for you. That's the real king of the universe. Amen. I think there's something more in this lesson in this text too. I believe we, we were seeing the depths that God will go to show his love. John chapter 13 that we read, verse 1 says this, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them. Washing their feet was showing them the full extent of his love. What's he saying? He says, there's no limit that I won't go through. To demonstrate my love. There's nothing that will stop me from demonstrating my love. And which he goes on to do by hanging on the cross. He's trying to say to us, there's nothing in this world that can stop me from showing you how much I love for you. Are you with me? Are you getting this this morning? So then the question is, are you willing to accept the service of God? And then are you willing to become a servant for God? When Jesus finishes washing feet, he raises the question. Remember, I've told you a hundred times, Jesus never asks a question for information. He only asks a question to make us think. He says in John 13, 12, He put on his clothes and returned to his place. And he said, do you understand what I have done for you? And then he begins to outline the logic of it in verse 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Get this. Rather than arguing over where you sit in the kingdom, wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. The reality is we can only communicate God's love from person to person. It takes deeds to show love. Love is more than just words from our mouth. It's more than something you read on the paper. Love is something we do. Deeds of love allow us to sneak into the hearts of people. Even though they aren't conscious of what's happening, they're welcoming us and the God we represent into the fortress of their hearts when we serve them. So here's the point. Do you know who you are? Do you know what that means? Have you moved beyond the culture's definition of who you are? And have you accepted God's definition of who you are? 
where you don't have to prove anything to anybody. You're beyond the stage of trying to convince anybody of anything. I don't need to do that. I know who I am. I don't have to jump to your music. I don't have to dance to your dance. I know who I am. Do you know who you are? You are served by God himself because he chooses to humble himself out of his love for you. And he serves you. And now he asks you, follow his example by serving others just as he has served you. He is the king with a towel. Not a scepter. Not a gun. But a towel. And that towel points to what distinguishes him from any other king in the world. And a towel is what distinguishes us from anybody else in the world. Did you get that? It is the towel that makes us different. It's time whenever we are confronted with opportunities to serve that we come to grips with whether or not we have allowed God to serve us until his love fills us and we need nothing else from anyone else. Get this. I don't need you to love me back. I just need you to let me love you. I don't need you to serve me back. I just need you to let me serve you. Are you getting that? I get what I need from this overwhelming love of God. He supplies everything I need. I get it. Now that I've got it, I want to serve you. Not only if you serve me back. You know that Christmas gift thing? I give you a gift, you give me a gift. I send you a card, you send me a card. No, I don't need that. I just need the opportunity to serve you. I'm getting it. I'm getting what I need. Where are you getting what you need? I'm getting it from him. His love so overwhelms me. His love so fills me. His love so humbles me. I don't need you to do that for me. I just need to be able to serve you. There are some times when you don't feel like that. And when you don't feel like that, that's the time you go back. Wash my feet again, Jesus. Wash my feet again. Because I haven't got it. Or I've lost it. I need you to give it to me again. So I can go back out and serve like you want me to. Are you hearing me today? Amen. Don't let society do that to you. Don't let folks on the job do that to you. Don't let anybody press you into doing what you, they want you to do. You just serve them because you just love to serve. Because your God just fills you with so much love. Hallelujah. And the more you give away, the more he'll keep pouring into you. Because he wants you to be like him. With a towel. Just.
a towel. Thank you for joining us for this installment of Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church, located at 47385 Warm Springs Boulevard, Fremont, California. We can be found on the web at www.sobcc.org. We'd like to take a moment to invite you to come and join us in person for one of our dynamic Sunday morning worship services. Services begin at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. each Sunday, and we would be so blessed to have you come worship with us. We'd also love to hear from you a word about how this ministry is helping you renew your mind for the glory of Jesus Christ. So please contact us, and we pray God's blessings over you the rest of this day. God bless.